um, starting a new series today. It is called it is called Family, Friends, and Friends Plus because we're talking about people who are going through the serious friendship that is leading to marriage as well. So we have decided to take a short break on our normal uh, series that is called Server Series. Uh, then over the next three weeks, we're going to be taking time just to consider the Bible wisdom in, in these spheres of relationships, uh, and f- uh, family, friends, and also uh, friends, friendship that leading to marriage, and also maybe those who are married as well. Because we want to dig deep in the scripture and maybe see the gospel wisdom and how God inspiring us as we seek to build happy, holy, and healthy families as we uh, go forward in our relationships. Um, more than this, we want to ask God to maybe use us as a, as a church, as individuals, maybe to bring healing where there is, where there is hurting or maybe even to redeem some damage that has happened uh, because of the, of the fall and also because of, um, we, we know that the brokenness that is in the world that is happening. Um, so today, I have an honor to kickstart this new series. Uh, in our new series, how are you going to do it? I'm going to go quickly to the things that we're going to talk about at the end. I'm going to have uh, a panel of... Um, couples or families that um, they're going to help us to answer your questions. I'm not going to answer your questions. I'm just going to give you this and then I'll shovel the questions to them. Uh, So today we're talking about this great, uh, the first topic on family. I want to start by saying that I recognize that families, they come from various ways. Uh, If you can bring down a little bit. Uh, Families, they come in, in different ways. Um, maybe I can just name the few of these kind of uh, family structures. We've got a, the original or traditional family where we have a husband and wife and kids. I think this was the original plan of God from the beginning. We've got the emptiness families where they, they're couples but they don't have children yet. Uh, we have family where they only got one child. We've got families where they've got many children. Some of us are coming from separated families or divorced families. Some of us, they're coming from uh, families that are separate because of death. Maybe one parent died or both parents died. Some of us are coming from a blended families. Blended families is where you stay with uh, step-siblings or you stay with step-parents or you stay with adopted siblings. Maybe even an extended family where... You stand, we stand with extended members of the families like aunts, uncles, grandpas. Uh, we can go on and go on and go on because there are so many different structures of the families that we are coming from. But I know maybe as we are preaching this morning and talking on this topic, maybe it will really touch close to home to you because of the experiences that you went through, uh, because of the kind of, of brokenness uh, that we're going to be touching, and also we're going to share about how that can bring healing to your life. Maybe a little bit of the background. Uh, I'm also not perfect as I'm standing here. It's not because the elders they sit together, they decided uh, who's got a perfect family. Maybe you can be able to share on this topic. No, 
it just happened that today Garrett is in East London, and I'm here. They said, okay, Robert, can we kick start this family uh, topic? I was born uh, here in Deben, but uh, when I was two years old, we moved to Mandeni, uh, coming from a family of seven. Uh, my dad had children out of wedlock, uh, and my mom also had a child of, out of wedlock. Uh, for that reason, it made us to have a very complicated family. We, and my dad died when we were very young. Or at that time, I think I was uh, seven, turning eight, when my dad died. And we were raised by a single parent. Life was not easy at all. And again, because our home was a very hospitable home, although we were really struggling. We ended up uh, with adopted kids <laughs> that were staying with us, even in that condition as well. So, but I want to today just to focus on the, the bigger picture of God about the family. Because when we were going through that, God gave us another family, which was the church. We were part of the church, uh, the, that church family, where we had a family that really took us in. And when you are part of the church, it doesn't matter how your family structure looks like, but God provides you with moms and dads, with brothers and sisters, <laughs> and he provides you and he fills all the gaps maybe that you can be able to have in life. Uh, when I was just thinking about it, it was like um, um, when people are giving you that love of God, it's giving the picture of like Matthew Pochet when he was invited to come and sit on the table uh, with the king. And his coupleness was not obvious because the table of the Lord was just covering. And when everybody's looking above the table, they were looking as if everybody were, were the same. So it covers up all your brokenness, it covers up all your shame, it covers up all your crippleness. And because those people in the family of God, or maybe I can say it's supposed to be <laughs> in the family of God, to make you feel the love of your heavenly father. Because he says he is the husband to the, uh, uh, to the widows, he's the father to the fatherless. As I've mentioned before, that uh, families, they come from all different sizes, shape, and form. We are all part of a family in one way or the other. It is important to mention that family is the object of God's special concern. Perhaps we can even say that God is on the side of the family against this crazy changing world that we are living in today. Realistically speaking, what I can just say is very sad to say that in this fallen world, the family is always in a dangerous state because of not being safe and not being held in place firmly by our government. In fact, our government is in the business of destroying and breaking down our families. But Christian families are dependent on God's grace and his providential or divine care to see them through all the, in, in these difficulties and that are un, 
unavoidable as part of our family life these days. Because of the rights, <laughs> people have rights these days. Even the little children, they have rights. And then if you are a parent, a mom and dad, you're trying to, to, to build a family according to the instructions that are coming from God. People will tell you, no, this is my right. I can do whatever I like. As, as long as I'm 12 years old now, I can do what I need. But that's not the picture that we find from the Bible. Brothers and sisters, no family is strong enough to manage its own affairs apart from God's provision. Friends, I want to put to you today <laughs> that for us to, to be able to have a happy, holy, and healthy families, we need a renewed understanding of the foundational principles of Christian family on which the disciples of, of godly family can be built. They can only be built on that foundation that's been originated by God from, from the beginning. I know when we, as we're sitting here, all of us, we've got different ideas, we've got different upbringings, we've got different cultures, but all those things, they've got no meaning when it comes to the scripture, when it comes to God's uh, uh, original principles of building the family. So because without having that foundation, that strong foundation of our family, in our families, the, the discipline are unlikely to flourish in those families. The only right foundation is to build on the strong foundation, which is Christ. If you want to have a strong and healthy families, we need to be rooted in God's word. Otherwise, if we are taking ourselves out of God's ways, like Paul, when in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, as a wise um, uh, man, and, and, and I, I put a foundation. And everyone, you must build on that foundation. And then you, there is no other foundation that you can build. You can Google it, you can do whatever you like. All those things, you're just building on the sand if you're not building on God's foundation. I want us to take the few minutes just to uh, consider the biblical wisdom on how to keep our families ho happy, holy, and healthy as well. We're going to open it together in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. We're going to only read one verse uh, because of our time today. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. God says to Abraham, For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household, after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he was promised him, what he has promised him. So in this passage, it's taken from the, the background of this passage. It's in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think we all know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, when there's a lot of brokenness and sin, um, it, uh, it was really on the rise in that moment. But in the midst of all that, we see God choosing a family to be a solution to this problem. Because family is something that is in God's heart. I want us to quickly just look at three things that maybe we can find from this passage that will really help us to, to, to see how to build healthy families. Uh, first of all, 
family is God's micro plan of building these happy, holy, and healthy families. I don't know if you know that parenting is a calling. It's, it's not something that's, oops, it happened by mistake, but it's a calling from God. But I know that sometimes we can bypass the calling and just uh, enter through the window and find ourselves inside. But the door of being a parent, it's a calling that is coming from God. Uh, it's a calling for both, not just a wife, but for both husband and wife. I always um, love when, when we're talking here at church, we, all, we have first Wednesday for women, first Wednesday for, for men. Sometimes when, we, when, when women are coming to church, I will always say, so I'll be looking after kids at home, and Stabile will say, no, you'll be parenting. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not that I'm babysitting, I'm parenting, because the parenting is a job for both husband and wife. It's a calling from God intentionally chose this safe context that we can be able to build this kind of a family. God says to Abraham, I have chosen him. I have chosen him. I don't know how is your parenting or how did you find yourself being a parent. But it is so important to be aware that are you married? Are you unmarried? Are you divorced? Or estranged? Maybe you're working apart, maybe the wife is here, the husband is there, you're a single parent, or maybe you're staying with your parents so that you will know what kind of help that you need so that you can build a very strong family. But allow me to speak for a moment about God's original plan that we see from the Bible. According to the Bible, God's original plan or design was for a married man and a married woman to raise children together in the context of a long, lifelong, stable commitment between them. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 10 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has not another to lift him up. So this is so important because God knew that this is a responsibility between the two people, husband and wife. And he says because of this reason that if someone is struggling, other will be able to support the other. It is a responsibility for both parents to work together to raise the children that they will be, uh, that they had jointly contributed to bring them into this world. Uh, because there is no child that just say, um, only have, uh, only came through my mother and not my father. You remember in John chapter 8 when they caught that woman who, uh, who was um, caught right-handed uh, uh, committing sin. They only brought the woman, but unfortunately there was also a husband there, uh, or a man there who, who was also contributing to that sin. So there is no judgment in saying this, but rather... I want to empathize with all of us, with all the brokenness that we're going through, as we are all broken because of sin. We live in the broken world that is affected by sin and also its consequences. Because of sin, brokenness entered the world and diverted us all from the original plan of God. Because once we diverted from the original plan, all of us will think, oh, it's normal. It's something that is happening in the world. 
No, everybody's getting babies in this age. But it was not the original plan of God. I don't care what the society and the people around you say, but if it's not the original plan of God, it's not. It will never be right if, even if other people are doing it. I want to maybe take this moment, because like Abraham's time, there was a lot of brokenness around Sodom and Gomorrah, where people um, were busy uh, doing whatever they like in that time. But God said to him, but I have chosen you to be different. He has chosen Abraham's family to be different. Therefore, whatever context that you find yourself in, you need to do these three things to be a great parent, no matter what your context is. You need to recognize your brokenness in your context. You need to acknowledge the implication or changes of parenting that resulting from that brokenness so that you can be able to intentionally plan or maybe work around that brokenness or be healed from that brokenness that complicates your parenting, your family. So, because if you ignore it, sometimes you always like want to put the blanket as activity is not there. But it's, the wise person is to turn around and see that brokenness and recognize it and then find a way that how can we be able to bring some changes, what kind of help I need so that I can be able to, to sort that out. And for us to be able to raise healthy families, husband and wife, those guys who are called by God to, to start the family, they need to love each other. They're supposed to love each other. This is so important. If a family is to develop the bonds of affection, that the children have the assurance of their parents' love for one another. A child who grow up with this realization that my parents are lovers, they have a wonderful basis of, of the stability and building the stronger families as they grow up. So this guy, Joshua, um, said these words, the greatest gift you can give your child is to love one another. Some others, they say, the greatest gift that you can give your children is to love your wife. The Bible, there's so many lessons that we learn from the Bible. I was just thinking as I was preparing this that there are two uh, things that God is telling us from the Bible that are, that are very helping us as husbands to love our wives. The Bible's first Ephesians says, we must love our wives as Christ loved the church. So if you think about how Christ loved the church, you think about how many times you make mistakes in life, but how Jesus treats you when you're making those mistakes. And secondly, they say you need to love your wife as you love your flesh, as you love yourself. When you love your flesh, I've never seen someone who go to the, we have a mirror in our passage in, in our, at our house, who can just go and stand in front of the mirror and shout to yourself. To yourself, you never do that. And uh, because why you do that? Because you love yourself. So if the Bible says, if you are, as a parent, you are one flesh, if you are one flesh, it's like when you're shouting to your spouse, it's like you're shouting to yourself. Let alone to put your hand on your spouse. You're like a demonized person. In Mark chapter 5, talking about that guy who was sitting, they tried to bind him with chains and everything, he was hurting himself. 
When you hit your spouse, it's like you're hitting yourself. You need deliverance. So this is so important that when we want to raise strong families, we need to make sure that we love each other. We display that love to uh, uh, our, our children as well. So uh, number two, the family discipleship. What we see from this passage is that God didn't just chose them, Abram, but he also uh, instructed them to command his children and his household to follow their footsteps, to follow their examples, to keep the way of the Lord. In Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Children are the heritage from the Lord. Behold, the children are the heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like an arrow in the hand of a warrior are the children of the one's youth. So when you're having an arrow in your, in your hand, it is up to you that how you want to aim that arrow, you know. Because um, if you can't just uh, bang it or anyhow, it will break. The most important thing is like you need to aim. You need to know where, where you want to take these children. And when, once we have that philosophy, that philosophy will drive you, will lead you in terms of how you're parenting your children. Um, scripture's declaration that is, is declaring that children are a blessing from God. It emphasizes the significance of God's people here on earth and summarizes what the Christian attitude ought to be regarding parenting. So, and also the children also have a responsibility, the vertical responsibility to honor God and also to honor their, their parents as well for the glory of God. If you read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians will tell you a lot of stories about uh, how the husband to the wife and children to the, to, to the parents and parents to the kids. But I, think, I don't think we'll have more time today, but whenever you spare time, you can do that yourself. These principles govern every human relationship. But it begins with a sacred structure of a family where people are most profoundly shaped, where we're molding and shaping our, our, our children. It is our responsibilities as, as parents to discipline and disciple our children according to the ways of the Lord. Sometimes we think we can just say the church will do it, the school will do it, or the society will do it. No, God has called you, has called you father and mother to shape and to mold and to disciple your children. Your children. It is not a responsibility of a teacher at school to discipline your child. It's not a, a job of uh, Henley upstairs to discipline your child. It is your job as a parent to discipline your child. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to, to 6 says, Hear, O Israel, all, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words shall I command you, that I command you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So, first of all, we as parents need to love God with all our heart, with all our soul. And then after that, we take that and then we teach to our children as well. 
We are called to lead. We are called to train. We are called to instruct. We are called to teach our children and our household to fear and to obey God and encourage them to read and to meditate and to, refill, to reflect the word of God daily and to pray for our family and all that live in our household to fully surrender their lives to God as a source of their living and also our satisfier. Isaac 6 verse 6 says, Kulisumtwana ngendlela ukuba kuyakhe khona nokuthi esekhulile angasuki kuyo train up a child in the way that he should go even when he is older he will not depart from it a healthy family is close together as we are told in Luke chapter 2 verse 52 and our great example is Jesus the bible says Jesus grew in wisdom in all the people so this is very important to understand from this verse that there's four keys of growth that is needed in our families. The growth in wisdom. The Bible says he, he grew in wisdom, intellectual growth that we need to give our kids. We need to send our kids to school. We need to teach them love values. We need to make sure that they get everything that will equip them to be wise as people. Number two, in stature. We need to physically, um, it's a physical growth. We need to physically feed our children. We need to support them. We need to take care of our kids. We need to take care of their health and make sure that they are living in a good, clean, healthy, and safe environment. It is our responsibility as parents. And number, four, number three, he grew in favor with God. That is a spiritual growth. We need to pray. We need to worship with our kids. We need to point them to the word of God. We need to teach them to obey God. That is why we can't just come to church and leave our kids home. We need to make sure whatever that we do, we help our kids to grow in a way that will, will glorify God. And lastly, in favor with men. This is a social growth. Help our kids to love and to serve other people. Stop raising kids that are selfish and self-centered who always think that life is only centered around them. They are only important in life. But kids who love their neighbors as they love themselves, those are the kids that will build our nation. In this respect, it is only parenting, the, 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 the structure that is chosen by God. It's not politics. Not the classrooms, the teachers, not the laboratories, not the Google, not the pulpits, maybe if it, depending on Pastor Gareth, in the place of this greatest influence. But it, God chose us as parents, chose the families. That is where all this will be built. To think otherwise is to be captive and maybe be uh, misled by the secular world that we live in. But we must understand that it is through the godly family that God's grace and the vision of God and the burden of the world and a Christian character that are mostly powerfully communicated. So it is our responsibility. God chose us, the family, uh, as parents to, to, to raise the kids. God chose uh, us to be able to teach, to discipline, and to disciple our children. And lastly, God chose us 
to be faithful with our calling. I know that this is not going to be easy. And the Bible says, it says, I have chosen him that he may command his children in, in his households after him. And he says, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Maybe there's a question that we always have. How can I have a holy family? A holy family serves God and others together. They live aside all their self-centeredness and serve God and other people together as a family. That is what we called Ubuntu. That is why we call Ubuntu. In Hebrews chapter 10, 24, he says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and, and, and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day is drawing near. So what is so important is that in our families, in our kids, they don't just need to know that oh, my father serves God, my mother serves God, but what about your kids? You need to say, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We, we need to step one another to serve God in our home as we host people for lunch or supper. We need to help our kids to also uh, go together and serve God in church. We're serving God in our house. We're serving God in church. We're serving God wherever we are. We are on mission to serve God. In, jo in Joshua chapter 24, says, um, from verse 14 to 15, says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. How many things these this days we're serving? Everything that competes with God, it always wins. If something is happening on Sunday, and maybe there's a soccer somewhere. No, we're soaking, serving soccer. If everything is having, someone is having a party, no, we're going to a party. But the Bible says here, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And he couldn't say in verse 15, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose these days whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods, the Ammonites. In, in whose land you dwell. And he ends by saying, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that amazing commitment that we can make as families that are called by God, that are commanded by God to raise our kids? You know, kids, um, God used to say, you don't have to worry that kids are not listening to you. But you need to worry that they are watching you. If, 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 if the kids are really watching what is happening in these days, we'll have no church tomorrow. There's no church tomorrow. Because kids will grow up and say, my mom and dad, church was not a first option. And then for them, it will be not an option at all. Because this is, if you've ever been into our house, maybe uh, visiting or something, we, there's this writing when you come, uh, as you come in through the front wall, this is what you see. Welcome. And it's, it's in, on your face. As you come through the door, you will see welcome. And after that, we want to make sure that you feel welcome. And some people, when they come, they, uh, they don't even want to leave because they feel more welcome. And again, as you walk out, 
you will see this, this, this writing on the right-hand side of the door. It's got this key that me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a constant reminder in our lives and our families that together we are the sent ones. God has sent us to serve God in our family. God has sent us to go and serve God wherever we're going. So if you go and live in the house, you know you're not only going to school or you're not going only going to work, but you are going to serve the Lord because this is what we are committed to do. In Acts chapter 10 verse 2 says, um, a, Caesarean, a Caesarean, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion uh, of what was known as Italian cohort, a devoted man who feared God with all his household. So this is so important, I want to pick up there, that when we fear God, we must make sure that we fear God with everyone in our house. I will never neglect it if I see someone is not fearing God. Even today when I was sitting here, I saw my daughter busy talking to a friend, and while we were worshiping God, I told the guys, please touch her and say, I don't like what you're doing. Because it's my responsibility to say, I'm disciplining you to serve the Lord together. We need to, all of us to devote to God, to fear God, and all of us to serve God. The, post, the best possible foundation for building our happy and holy and healthy family is to love God and to obey him. There's nothing else. You can try, you can go all over the world. Nothing else will ever try. Every other foundation will fail, but only the foundation that will stand is to love and to fear God with all your heart. Love, of, love for God is foundation because it puts us in touch with the source of love. To love God is what makes other loves that we have can be a love for your spouse or love for your kids to be able to endure. So I want us to end this time. I think I'm going to stop here. I just invite the couple. We've only got five minutes. Uh, this couple's because I found them perfect. Uh, families. <laughs> I'm joking. Can you just uh, come and join us? We you want you guys to have this opportunity to ask us some questions in this five minutes. Uh, please come and join me. Um, I don't know what kind of um, setup you're coming from as a family, uh, but I want you to give you this opportunity to ask these guys. They, come, they came prepared with answers. Uh, to give you the answers for, for, about the family. Remember, we said the family, we are chosen by God, and he chose the structure, the perfect structure. But I said, because of the brokenness that's happening in the world, you can be able to, you need to recognize the brokenness that you have. You need to find what kind of changes that you need to do, and also you need to need some help to find help that you can, you can have in the church. So in this, in this time, I want you, as, as we're building the church, God has chosen these guys. These guys have 25 years of, of family. We only got 18 years, and these guys have got eight years. On Tuesday was their anniversary. They were turning eight and building family. Um, yes, and all of us, we've, we, have, we have kids as well. So it's up to you. Uh, I want to ask them questions. If you ask a question, I'm going to repeat it because they're recording it. Garrett, ask if you can record the, the, the questions and answers. Do you want to ask a question? Anything about family? Or maybe things that I've said this morning you didn't understand about the family. 
Yes. Angel. How you find fear, or how you fight fear, so that you find uh, the other person not disrespect, disrespected. Oh, that's a very good question. That's why I brought these guys because gonna, uh, if you're married and then there's misunderstanding, how do you fight fear in a way that you won't show disrespect to other partner? Yes. Um, that's a very Now we are recording. Yeah. Is it on? Yeah. Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, I think the best solution that we have figured out or as the years go, you know, if you are a young couple and you are starting your relationship or you are starting your family, then it's very difficult. So you need to find your own solution. But I think the best one there is learn first to listen, to understand. And if you hear what they are saying, tell them, I hear this. So that there's no misunderstanding. Sometimes when it's heated up, you don't really listen. So you need to understand what they see, what they feel, how they feel about it, and how they want you actually to react. So the best thing is to listen and tell them what you hear. So there's no, never assume the obvious, basically. Yeah, okay, cool. Does anyone else want to add? Oh, you can pass this one. Hi, hi guys. Um, so I think I'm just thinking right now of a recent example, Angel. That's a really good question. Um, and we, we had an argument. And so firstly, we agreed that divorce will never be an option. So no matter how hectic things get, that is never an option for any solution. So that's the first one. Um, but also, I think I, I get very emotional and I can say things. Mm -hmm. And Simi is very logical, so he'll just look at me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I remember this one time, I was so angry, I really said something hurtful. And as I said it, I knew it was really, really hurtful. And he just calmed down, he was like, that was really unnecessary. And then he walked away. Yeah. And then, obviously, guys, because like, I was convicted immediately, and I had to go back and say, I'm sorry. And when we did that, then he was able to say, when I said this. So he had gone, so Simi is very organized. So we were going to go to a wedding, and he went and bought the shirt for him and Sedi and didn't ask me first. Okay. So he'd asked me to organize it, and I was delayed, and then he went ahead and did it himself. So my thing was why do you even have a wife? And <laughs> <laughs> like, I 
was angry, you know? <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah, and in that moment, he was like, you've really had a hard week at work. Um, the wedding's like two days away, and we did not want to add pressure to you, you know? Mm-hmm. But I didn't see all of that. I just yeah. felt so, I was insecure about my thing as a wife. And so it wasn't until I listened to him that I was able to get where he was coming from. Okay. Yeah. Baby, can I say something? Um, uh, for me, I can say as the Christian family or couple, um, the word of God says um, the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. Uh, it's good to put God first in everything before you even um, talk uh, as a couple. You must think of God. Uh, that's this thing that you 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 saying you saying it before God. So I, I think that helps me a lot. Yeah, yeah to think of God before yeah. everything. So I just want to agree on that because I think that's the first thing uh, in this two minutes. We say, uh, we always say, when you want to respond, you don't want to just, we are reading in the book of Proverbs that you don't just vent. <laughs> so if you want to respond to someone, you need to think, is this true? Is it helpful? Is it important than our relationship? And is it necessary for now to talk about it now? And, or maybe is it kind? So if you use those words before, so my wife knows if I'm not happy about something, I'll just shut about, I won't talk because I'm, I'm still processing these things. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it imp- important than our relationship? Is it necessary for this moment? Or maybe is it kind? So when I'm coming back to her, now I know I'm going to be following all those things. Because sometimes if you just vent out and just use the emotion, you will use a lot of stories. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. So uh, uh, when I was talking about the anger issues with uh, Gail, we're doing a, a training here. There was a lady who, who went on the parking, she opened the door and she banged somebody else's car. And she said, oops, I'm sorry. And the other lady went and opened the door and, said, and banged the car and said, oh, I'm sorry. They went and reversed the car, they banged, oh, I'm sorry. Because you wanted to say, you did this to me, I want to do it, and then I'll say sorry. Uh, you do this, then I'm going to say sorry. So... If you can just come down and think, okay, you bang my door, is there any other options <laughs> that maybe we can take to sort this out? But not try to say, okay, because you make me angry, now I'm going to show you that I'm angry. You end up shouting to each other. You need to make sure that you, is it honoring God what you're doing first before you respond? Yes. a good question. Uh, how do you worship with your kids, pray with your kids, read the Bible with your kids? That's a question. Yeah. As husband and wife. Yes. Okay, cool. You're laying a good foundation. Good. Yes. Yeah, so over the years, um, as you mentioned, we're 25 years in, in marriage next year. So we've tried all options, but it's not always parents, but um, I think we, we, we did a great, or we set a great example, um, because our elderly, um, which is in Pretoria, she, at, at one stage, we were sort of on the gravel road on the left, 
And um, she started worshipping and, 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 and all that. So we also learned from them as well. And um, I think it's a type of example we set over the years. And, um, um, yeah, and, and, and we, we need to share with, with our kids. And, and um, we're not, how can I call it, as disciplined as we would like to be in, in that area. Even as us, we, we can improve in that. Um, so, yeah, but it's just, and, and I think also the example we said coming to church, I think that the, the kids are sometimes we just think we need to be here because we, we must be here, but it's not the case. And, and us as a family, yeah. we also grown. Yeah. In, so in, this, in this that, is the last question we're yeah. answering. But what I like about uh, Dick and Henley, uh, we appointed Henley to teach uh, our pals to our uh, kids upstairs, but they're doing it together as a family with a uh, husband and kids. So it's a great opportunity to read the Bible together, to teach the Bible together, and you can be able to be creative and find other ways uh, that you can be true. Uh, let's do this, uh, go around this last question. How do you involve your kids in worship, in prayer, in reading the word? Um, and then we'll end. If you've got more questions, please come and ask these guys after, after service. Yeah. Uh, for us, uh, we have set uh, the time where we come together and pray as a family, even though it's not always work, uh, especially for us. As my husband, sometimes he's busy, he's not at home, so, and the kids is busy with um, other stuff like homeworks or something. So it's not always uh, work, but uh, they know the, the importance of uh, Praying and reading the way the, the word of God because we that's what we teach them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, hi everyone. Um, for our family, um, we we've tried to make it as natural as possible, um, and not to make it um too stringent on time. So, for example, um, when our son goes down to bed, um, either one of us will obviously be putting him down to bed. He gets to choose a book of his choice, and then it ends in a Bible story, and then um, then we'll pray with him. But then later on, because most of the time it will be my wife, and I'll be busy cleaning up the house. <laughs> just <doing> that. Um, <laughs> Well done. <laughs> um, we we then have our own prayer time before we go to bed. You yep. know, you know, you know when you have your bed discussions and then you mm-hmm. pray yeah. together as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just want to add on that question because we are a new couple that don't have kids yet. Uh, that when you're doing that, your um, uh, habit, your kids will be easy to join you in what you're already doing. If you're as parents, you're not leading by example, even for now. When we read the Bible and pray and worship together, you're setting up a very good foundation where when we're inviting new members and their family, they come and join already in that river that's flowing. So we are blessed by very nice voices in our house. So if someone is singing in the bathroom, someone will join in the dining room and kitchen, we end up filling our house with worship. So (laughs) we end up worshiping together. And sometimes we end up just finding ourselves praying. (laughs) You know, when we feel like the Holy Spirit has just come, we just pray together and thank God. You know, that's that's what's happening. Because we want to make the environment in our family so that when our kids, when they grow up, they know, this is, this is the kind of life we're living. Uh, so 
Don't worry that they're not listening what you're saying. Worry that they're watching you, everything that you do. Yeah, amen.